Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a refuge, strength, and ever-present help in trouble. We thank you how you provide for us, and we lift up our eyes to you today. And God, we pray for those in Maui right now who are grieving, who have lost loved ones, God, that you'd comfort them, that you would bring people and love and supplies and resources. God, that you would restore that place. And God, even out of uh, right now what feels like ashes, there would be praise that comes forth. And Father, we need your help. Please help our brothers and sisters right now. Guide us, God, in our responses as well. And Father, we thank you for your word, how you communicate to us. Please give us a fresh vision of who you are. And Jesus, we wanna hear your voice so clearly. You're a good shepherd. And just move aside the other competing voices and the busyness and the hurry and the worry and all the, the trails that we go on. So instead, we would follow you. We'd hear your voice saying, this is the way, walk in it, and we would walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. How do you anticipate victories when you don't feel like there's any victories? For the Israelites, they had challenge after challenge. Some challenges we don't fully comprehend because they lived in a location where so many neighboring countries wanted to wipe them out. And that's still a reality in Israel today, but we don't relate because we don't have continual invasions on our land. And yet we can relate because we know what it's like to face opposition. People undermine you. We also know what it's like in a nation for things to deteriorate morally. And we know what it's like to wander spiritually. And the Israelites went through these cycles. And just like in America, we've had awakenings and we return to God. And then we have these driftings where we, we go so far from what we know, our foundation, what we were raised with, the goodness and truth of the Lord. We can relate sometimes to going through difficult challenges that come in waves and things we didn't see coming. And when you don't feel like there's a victory, how do you respond? And we don't carry a spirit of despair. That's not from God, to carry a spirit of despair. But we also don't start to chase these things that aren't from the Lord. You see, when you hear the word victory, it's kind of loaded for some people. Some people... They just take it as a license to name and claim whatever they want, and they think it's all about them, and it gets really weird really quickly. That's not a victory coming from God. Even things like, I'll always be healthy all the time. No, that's not in Scripture. Or on the other side, we push away the victories that God wants to bring into our lives, and it's filled with worry, and we get weary, and we carry around a spirit of despair in defeat. And we don't want either of those extremes. We don't want to get weird and unbiblical and selfish and materialistic. And, and on the other hand, we don't want to be walking around with our heads down and doing these kind of like self-absorbed, self-pity things, right? So we want to stay out of that. And this psalm helps us because in a real way, they feel downcast. The Israelites will feel discouraged and sometimes we have the same feeling. So what does God say to guide us? And there's a word that's repeated hundreds of times in scripture, and it's the word remember. Remember. When you hear the word remember, you might focus on the past, and that's part of remember, to look back. But remember is also the present with God's character, 
And remember also looks forward. Remember his word. Remember his promises. There's hundreds of promises. Remember our destiny. And we want to remember all of this. Remember is something I can do. When I don't feel like there's any victories, how am I going to respond? How are you going to respond? Remember, we hear that and we think, well, that's doable because our mind is very important. It's attached to our heart and it's attached to our soul. And what we choose to think about and focus on, we want to have God's perspective, his presence and his power when we're going through challenges. And Psalm 75 is both comforting and challenging. There's both in this psalm. And the truth is, we need both. That's why God brings both. We are often hurting and struggling, and we need his comfort. We need his reassurance, his restoration. In other ways, we have pride, and we have this unhealthy independence from God, and we need this challenge so that we will walk in the ways of the Lord and honor the Lord. In this passage, think about the fullness of remember, past, present, and future Three things to remember. Psalm 75, starting in verse one. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men tell of your wonderful deeds. Verse nine, as for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. Let's say together, I will declare this forever. One, two, three, I will declare this forever. We are gonna declare and remember the works of the Lord. That's the first thing to remember, God's mighty deeds. What do you do during difficult times? Start to remember God's mighty deeds in your own story, in your own life. It could be in our history as a nation and in scripture. Here's three things that jump out right away. God's nearness, his goodness, and his deliverance. When you think about his mighty deeds, how he continues to draw near and doesn't leave us, his goodness in the land of the living, he brings good things out of terrible situations, and also his deliverance, how many times God rescues. Why is it important to think about these themes? Because they bolster our confidence in God. God is no less faithful on any day. He is equally faithful every day, but our confidence in God wavers and goes up and down based on our situations. So when we are wavering and low in our confidence in God, we come back and start to remember his presence with us, never leave us or forsake us, his goodness to us, his grace is greater than our sin, his forgiveness, his kindness, and we remember how many times he delivers over and over again. Remember is the key word today. And in scripture, you see lots of places where God says remember. In Exodus chapter 13, in verse three, then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Remember how God has delivered you from Egypt and slavery. You might remember how God has delivered you from certain sins and certain lies that you believe, strongholds in your life. God, because of his kindness, sees us in need and rescues us, pulls us out of the things that want to trap us and enslave us and sets us free. God says, don't ever forget how far I brought you in your life and what I brought you out of. It's part of your story. 
Well, what else do we remember? In Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 10, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. We remember how God has showed up. We remember God's word. We remember what God has revealed and what God has taught us. And we remember to pass it on to our children and then also to grandchildren. We pass it on to the next generation. Why does God say remember, remember, remember? Because we often forget, 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 right? What, what did he say in the word again? Like, like, wait, what was that? Did he show up? The Ten Commandments, what are those again? Like, uh, oh yeah, that's right. Share it with my kids. Share it with my grandkids. Like, we need to remember. And God says, remember so that we will revere him. We will walk in a way that honors him. Don't forget. Also, Joshua chapter four. See, at each point in the journey, what, what do we see here? Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Because kids like to ask questions. They will ask that. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Here's the situation. They were going into the promised land after a wilderness wandering that included a generation in 40 years. They move in across the Jordan. It's at flood stage. That's not easy to get across the Jordan at flood stage. God parted the Jordan so they could walk through. Their whole community, right? We got a couple million people here walking through with the ark, the presence of the Lord in front of them. As they walk through the Jordan, what does God say to do? Pick up 12 stones. Why 12? One for each tribe. God sees everyone. Everyone's important. Grab these 12 stones and hold on to them. Well, why would we hold on to 12 stones? If we want to travel light, like what are we doing with these 12 stones? We'll grab those 12 stones from the bed of the Jordan River because every generation is going to know God made a way, God provided, God keeps his promise, God is faithful. Do you have something tangible that you hold on to? Maybe it's a certain Bible or a picture. It could be a verse on your wall. Maybe it's a cross. Maybe there's something in your journey. It could be a rock that you hold on to and you say, this is to remind me what the Lord has done and how he made a way and how he got me through that. And he's the reason I'm here today. And I want to tell the story again and again. 12 stones, remember, don't forget. It's easy for us to forget, especially when things are difficult and challenging and stressful. It's really easy to forget. God comes alongside of us with comfort and says, don't forget what I've done. The Psalms are both personal and national. And it's important for us, we have a walk with God, but we also together as a nation, have a walk with God. And for the Israelites, remember the 10 plagues and how I continued to overcome Pharaoh's stronghold and then parting the Red Sea. 
In the wilderness, although the people were often faithless, God was faithful and there was provision and there was manna. And then we crossed the Jordan and into the promised land. The walls of Jericho, they came down when there's no way we could do that. And the attacks continued to come from the neighbors. The Assyrians would come, but an angel would deliver supernaturally with thousands of troops coming at us. The Philistines, it was overwhelming what they would bring, but God gave wisdom. Okay, go into the battle now. Now this time, come around the side. He would guide us time and time again. God has delivered. Don't forget your story. Don't forget what God has brought you through. Don't forget about that, especially when times are difficult. And God has brought us this far. That's why it's important. Because you're going to face situations and you're going to start to worry and think, well, I've never been through this before. This is really intense. I don't think I can make it. And you're going to start in your mind. You're going to go places. And what you need to remember is that God has brought us this far. He who began a good work is faithful. He's as faithful today as he was yesterday. He knew this was coming. So I don't need to back down to fear. I'm going to walk by faith. And what happens is your faith starts to grow when you remember what God's done. The spiritual temperature changes in your life when you start to celebrate what God's done and your faith becomes fortified and bolstered and you get to a point where you say, we can trust God with this one too. We can trust God with this situation too. We can trust God in this hardship right now too because I see his track record, I read about it here and we're gonna trust God together and walk by faith. Get rid of that spirit of fear and worry and despair. It's not from the Lord. So important what we focus on. We got a few calls. It was unexpected, but we found out, and this was, you know, a couple hours away to drive, but our son had a broken nose and a concussion. And it's not the call you really want to get his parents then thinking, what are we going to do? We're going to drive. So we're in the car heading out to Yakima unexpectedly, and all these things were racing through my mind. And I remembered Psalm 75, that I'm going to intentionally think about what God has done. And I'm going to think about this goodness of the Lord and his faithfulness over time. Why? Does that change a situation in the hospital? It doesn't. But it changes me. It changes me as dad. And so focusing and shifting our focus, because I could worry, well, what if this happens? And then this test? And what if it's this damage? And then, oh, what was the other symptom? And all those things start to flood into my mind. But instead, we're going to trust God. Now, I thank God that his recovery is going really well. uh, But you don't know. We don't have control over those final results. But we can all decide what we're going to focus on during the trial. And as we all learn and remember, you know what happens? As you start to remember, it gets contagious because you start telling your story and thanking God. Oh, I don't think I told you. You know, this was the time when I was sick. Oh, this was the time I didn't have any money. This was the time our marriage was so strained. Oh, this is the time our kids were rebelling. And then you know what? We kept praying and this is what God did. And it builds faith and it's contagious and it's caught and it's taught. And the Israelites, there were times where they stopped thanking God. In America, when we stop thanking God, 
and we think we did this, we put this together, aren't we awesome? And we start drifting from God, we start finding other idols, we start acting entitled like it's all about me and it's materialism and look how great I am and I gotta try to impress you and show you that I'm all that. What a mess, what a mess. Isn't it easier just to thank God, the one who's the source of all blessings? Isn't it easier just to give God honor that he already deserves than trying to steal it from him and steal it from him and take it myself and put it in my pocket and act like I did it? So remember and thank God. And the psalmist says, this is what I'm gonna do for a lifetime. This is my legacy. This is our family. This is our faith. We're people who thank God. I'm not gonna stop praising God. I'm not gonna stop thanking God. You're gonna hear it when no one's around. You're gonna hear it if you're around. You're gonna hear it when you come over to our house. Like we are gonna thank God. We're not ashamed of him. We're grateful for our blessings. And this is what he says. All my life, he's gonna continue. As for me, I will declare this forever. That's a great place to be today. Not only am I gonna give thanks to God today right now, but I will declare it forever. What God has done It's just too good to stay quiet. And that is the posture. Picture, enemies all around, wanna wipe them out, but I'm gonna remember God's track record and faithfulness and I will declare it today. That's what we remember. That's the encouraging, the comforting. And you might hear that and think, yeah, but that doesn't change the circumstances. There's still injustice. There are still terrible things happening every day. And I would agree with you. I would say that's reality and don't deny that reality. I'm not asking anyone here to deny reality. In fact, grieving is important and grieving is good. You can't just stuff all your feelings and try to act spiritual. Jesus is well acquainted with sorrows. No one knows pain more than Jesus. Jesus wept. We, we have feelings. We express our feelings. We grieve. We mourn. And it's part of the healing process. God's not distant. God is near. Jesus weeps with the people as they weep. So don't deny any difficult realities. That's not the place to go with the spirit of victory. Well, where do we go? When there's injustice, and for the Israelites, they were often hated because of their nationality. They were hated because of their faith. They were hated because of their race. Maybe you've experienced some hate that's unfair. Maybe there's some injustice that you've received for reasons similar. Well, Psalm 75, look at verses two and three, and here's the challenging part. You say, God's saying, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge uprightly. When the earth and all its peoples quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. Remember that God judges with fairness, with authority, and with clarity. God is the judge, and he has an appointed time for judging. There's an appointed time. Is it always instant? No, it's not. But is it there? Absolutely. And this fairness that God judges with, Psalm 96, where we remember who is it that's the judge of all nations, all people. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness 
and the peoples in his faithfulness. Jesus Christ will return. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's gonna return, and there's judgment, and there's fire in his eyes, and that's gonna happen. That's coming. Matthew 12, verse 36, we read specifically about our words and the accountability that we have, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Gossipers, take a look. Take a look. Slanderers, take a look. Telling lies, take a look. Everyone, that's not most of us, will need to give an account. There is a final day. We will all come before our maker and we're held accountable. See, Americans today want to say, no one can hold me accountable. I'm my own God. I don't answer to anybody. It doesn't change the fact that we all have the same maker and we'll all come before our maker and we all will give an account. Now, that's not popular, but that's scripture. That's truth. So what do we say? Uh, When the world is spinning out of control and it seems like so much is getting shattered and damaged, what do we know? God is still here. God is the stability in the middle of the storm. Jesus said, your house will be like a house in the rock and not the sand. God says it here. He is the one who's still trustworthy. And then we have this word, selah, which means stop, pause. Stop your routines and your busyness for a second. Pause, think, take this in, reflect on this, pray about this. This is significant, selah. And not only do we turn from our sin, because that's a fitting response with this truth. We want to turn from our sin. That's repentance. That brings refreshment and that brings restoration. We repent today. Also, we have a role to warn. Here in the Psalm, there's a warning. God is bringing a warning. If you love, you warn. If someone's going off a cliff and you know they're about to go off the cliff, you don't say, oh, have a good day. You don't say, oh, you know, uh, just be quiet and polite. You say, no, this cliff, like you're going off this cliff right now. You give a warning. Yeah, I'm not gonna fall. I've had too many injuries this last year. I don't want another one. Uh, In Ezekiel, there's a watchman. If you know and you see and you know, you've got to warn. Some of you have been called right now to rebuke some people that need a rebuke. They're not gonna change until someone lovingly and humbly comes with some correction or a rebuke. For some of you, uh, you've just stayed silent, but you know about eternity, you know about God, you know about Jesus, you know about grace, but you're just watching people enter into eternity and not saying anything to them. See, there's a responsibility not only to walk humbly with God, but to also intercede and pray for other people and to speak up because love warns when someone's on a destructive path and do it humbly in love. None of us are better than anyone else, but in love, you don't stay quiet. The psalmist doesn't stay quiet because God doesn't stay quiet. You say, well, well, who are the people here? Arrogant, wicked, boastful in their attitudes, in their words, in their actions. There's a warning. These people are stiff-necked. All of us have the potential every day to be stiff-necked. Stubborn, I'm not gonna do it God's way. I don't care. I know what the truth is. I'm calling the shots. 
stubborn, stiff-necked. That's who God's talking to here. Lots of pride, lots of refusing, changing a heart toward God, trusting God, honoring God. We have a lot of things in our lives right now that appear like a really big deal. They don't mean much compared to and when we come before God. We have so many materialistic goals and things we chase that just mean everything to us. They really don't mean much when you think about coming before a holy God. This changes our perspective. And there's words in here like a horn. What's a horn? That's your strength and ability. Well, that can be a really good thing. Absolutely. What a great gift from God. But it can also be something that doesn't look good. That's right. Your horn, your own strength and your ability can become an idol. And it says for people that reject God, their God is their own strength. My God is my strength and my ability and my wisdom and my strength and wisdom and ability that's so awesome, I can be God in my life and call the shots. No, God has given you strength and ability so you will acknowledge that it's from God and serve people humbly, not boast in that. Well, look how intelligent I am. Well, who gave you that intelligence? That's a gift, that's from God. You don't boast in that. Look how much better my grades are than someone else. No, that's the wrong heart. So God humbles us and reminds us. And then he has cups, cups again. They can be very positive. And on the other context, that's not positive. Uh, There's so many things in our life that can go either way. Our words can absolutely build up people and bring life. And our words can absolutely chop people down and take away their hope. Uh, Our money can be very generous and used for incredible altruistic things, or we can love our money. And it's the root of all kinds of evil when we love money. Well, the cup can be a cup of great blessing. My cup overflows, God's presence in my life, or the cup can be a cup of wrath is what we read about here in scripture, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Revelation. There's just a lot of books that talk about this cup of God's wrath and storing up a wrath to come. And listen, his justice is inevitable. He has the final say. That's true for every person in every nation. God has the final say. And so as we consider this truth, and we take this in. And I realize this is not a popular teaching. There are a lot of people these days who reject the image of God, who God really is, and they'll say, I can't, I won't believe in any God that has a wrath. Won't believe. And on the one hand, I'm very sympathetic because a lot of those people grew up in messed up religious situations where people were mean and harsh and cruel and it was brutal, there was abuse and they need a lot of healing and restoration. And my heart goes out to them because it's hard for them to separate the cruelty that they experienced and that God could still be good and just. And it's hard to separate that experience from who God is. And that's a path that takes a lot of healing and some deep wounds Uh, So some people say it out of that perspective. Other people say it from the perspective that I'm just not gonna accept it. 
the only God I'm ever gonna follow and worship is a God who's nice, who's only nice. Is God good? Yes. Is he kind? Yes. Is he full of love? Absolutely. There's no love and kindness like our God's love and kindness. That's 100% true. And yet, we can't sever that from his holiness and his justice and his wrath. It would be lack intellectual integrity to read through the Bible and say, oh, there's no wrath. There's no wrath. Like it's throughout scripture. God explains it. God says it. So the question for us is, are we gonna make a God in our image, who we want him to be, or are we gonna worship the God who is? And we're in so many situations where we actually appreciate his justice and we actually want him to have the final say. But sometimes we don't think through that. For example, I've heard a lot of people who live there and who have been there in Ukraine right now, there's a lot of war crimes. Yes, it's a both and. We should pray, we should support, we should care for, we should provide, we should help those who are being mistreated, 100%. And at the same time, there's limitations to what we can do. And ultimately, anyone who commits those war crimes is gonna be held accountable to God. They will answer to almighty God. And revenge is his, not ours. And so there's kind of some fear and trembling that, wow, when you do that stuff, do you know the cup that you're gonna be drinking? You could say human trafficking. There's more news reports. There's movies now. More people are being, becoming aware of the realities that human trafficking is not just like in some distant country. It's in our country. It's in our city. And people are getting taken away, whether they're in their 20s or whether they're preteen. They're just being taken and kidnapped and brought into human trafficking. Well, when you hear that, doesn't your blood kind of boil a little bit? Don't you get kind of a, a righteous anger thinking about that kind of thing? Well, what do you do? Yes, pray. Yes, give. Yes, restore. Yes, rescue. Absolutely 100%. But know this, there's, when it comes to justice, there's things that ultimately they're not in our hands, but those who commit those atrocities will answer to God and God will sort it all out. That's how it's gonna happen. That's who God is. That's the reality. And you say, well, it doesn't happen right away. No, it doesn't always happen right away, but he is the judge over all from east to west to every person. And that makes us grateful for Jesus Christ because there's no pardon apart from his shed blood, a sinless human dying on our behalf, raised from the dead so that we have a pardon in Christ. On our own, we can't save ourselves. And then also in gratitude, we know that we're held accountable. And, and that kind of wakes us up. It's easy to be sleepy spiritually. It's easy to have a bunch of secret sins. It's easy to act like no one sees. And this wakes us up in a challenging way to say, I wanna get right with God. I wanna walk in the light. I wanna be held accountable. I receive the rebuke. I wanna grow. I wanna change. God, do a deep work in me so that I'll glorify you. And that's what his heart is. Remember his character when there's injustice, that God has the final say. He will. And what else do we remember? Now, this is gonna go from challenging back to comforting. And look at verse six. 
No one from the east or west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. In verse 10, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Remember that God exalts in timely and unstoppable ways. Comfort and challenge. How does God lift up? Well, when you think about David, who wrote most of the Psalms, God chose him, lifted him up, even though the most kind of spiritually in tune man in that generation, Samuel, who listened to God, the prophet everyone respected, went to David's house and overlooked David. Thought it was a different brother. Thought it must have been that brother. Okay, well, then it's got to be this brother. Overlooked. You might feel overlooked. And then this one who he served, David served Saul, who was the king. That king got jealous. Maybe you served someone. Maybe you have a boss or maybe it was your parents and they mistreated you. And actually the king Saul wants to chase him down. But God's going to lift him up. And then we have others like Goliath who wants to kill him. The Philistines are going to come again and again. There's so many in his journey. But what did God do? God protected him. God exalted him. Did he become king right away? No, it was more than 10 years later. But God's hand was upon him the entire way. No one could stop David from being king. And when Saul decided, I'm not going to follow God, God looked out for David and said, that's going to be a man after my own heart and I will raise him up. If somebody's off, God will look. He looks to and fro across the land to strongly support those who are committed to him. And he will exalt. He will build up. He will raise up. You say, who does he raise up? Someone who's humble. Someone who's repentant. Someone who's listening. Someone who's praying. Someone who's available. Someone who will say yes to him. Is it surprising we raises up? Absolutely. Like he raises up a bunch of fishermen to go change the world. In a culture where fishermen were not seen as spiritual at all. Who did he choose? He chose women as the first witnesses of his resurrection. Sadly, in a culture that saw women as second rate. Like God raises up out of the mouth of kids. Sometimes parents will be missing it spiritually and the kids will just say, we need God. We need to go to church. We need Jesus. And the parents kind of wake up like God will use anyone. And who is it? Uh, James chapter four, verse six says this, but he gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. And look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Take that posture. Don't quit right now and give up. Don't give in to sin and patterns of sin, strongholds of sin in your life. Don't give up your calling, your gifting today. Don't give that up, but instead humble yourself. You say, well, I'm not quite where I wanna be. God's gonna lift you up. You stay surrendered to him. You stay listening to him. God's gonna restore you, give you a secure identity in him. His grace is gonna flow in. God's gonna raise you up. You just go along the journey with him. He's gonna write the script. You say, well, I'm not up there yet. Trust God's timing. You know, with our kids, they're very different. Four kids, very different. Three biological, one adopted, all very different. Three boys, one girl, very different. You know what a common thread is? When they really want something, when do they want it? Now. I want it right now. I mean, sometimes as God's daughters and sons, when God has something for us, 
Don't we take that posture with God? Well, God, how come this hasn't happened yet? I want that right now. If that's good and that's from you, give it to me right now. And God will lift up. God will open up the right doors. God will bring the right people. God will give you the position. God will give you the provision. God will give you the platform at the right time for his glory. He's doing a work in you. It's not just through you. He's building you up. He's going to raise you up. You just trust him. And when he gives that to you, it's so that you can glorify him and bless a whole bunch of people. If you got it too early, you might stumble over the blessings. You might get full of yourself. But God is going to do it at the right time in the right way when you're ready. And watch what he'll do in you and through you. When that happens, never forget the difference between the first cause and the second cause. The first cause is always God. Say, so why did this happen? How did this happen? God. God raised you up. God gifted you. God called you. God opened the door. God is the first cause. And now are there some second causes? Yeah, as people ask more questions, there's some different human elements. God's in all those. But they might ask you, well, how did that happen? Well, I started exercising more. How did that happen? Well, I cultivated this habit of reading the Bible each morning. Well, how did that happen? My routine started to change. I put some limits on some stuff. Well, how'd that happen? Well, I got off social media a little more and I spent more time serving people. Like, how did that happen? Those are some things you're gonna describe. Those are second causes. God is in those But make no mistake about the first cause is always God. Give him the glory. My heart today is for those of you who are carrying a spirit of defeat that's not from God because situations are difficult. And the word's very clear in Romans chapter eight, you are more than a conqueror through Christ. That's your identity. That's who you are. You're more than a conqueror. Well, what does that mean? That means you already are. That's not meaning you gotta go challenge the Philistines 10 times and if you win nine, then you're more than a conqueror. That's not it. You are that in Christ. Well, what is this conqueror victory thing? It means that victories, surpassing, overwhelming, glorious victories are already yours in Christ and God is placing them ahead of you as well to receive and to walk in. Well, what does that look like? We just had victories this weekend, middle school camp, and I would get texts. We just had a couple students decide to follow Jesus for the first time. Awesome. Their eternal destiny just changed. Here's another text. This is what's happening with one of your kids. You know, that's the one that's like, okay, okay. And, and then other texts like, look at this room. And you just see a room full of 70 middle schoolers just like praising God. They're singing the same songs we're singing. And you just hear it in their voices. You see it with their hands up. Like this song of gratitude. God, I just thank you with all my heart. And you see that happen. It's like, wow, the victories the Lord brings. If you question about, you know, more than a conqueror, like what is that really? I mean, how's that going to play out? Let me just do this with a spoiler alert. Like you're going to have an eternity of nothing but victories. You're going to have an eternity that's already sealed because of God's faithfulness with no temptation, no sin. The devil's in the lake of fire. 
You're gonna be all God's designed you to be. There's gonna be no more strife in relationships, no more insecurity, no more grasping, no more secret sins. Like the whole thing couldn't be more victorious and it's a sealed deal. No one can take it. No one can take it away. Okay, so let's start there, do a little backwards engineering, and what we realize is that from today until that day, and we don't know that day, but we know that day will come, in this short life from today till that day, the Lord is just going to bring victories, 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 and what you're going to see in his kingdom is that more people come and know him, more people get baptized, more people using their gifts for the Lord, there's more provision, there's more healing that's happening, more restoration that's happening, you're going to see victories Every single day in your walk with God. That's a different narrative than what you just hear on the news, isn't it? That's the biblical. We need to say yes to everything. I want everything God offers and promises when it comes to victory. I don't want to take one step into weirdness and things that aren't in the Bible. And I don't want to take one step towards settling for a bunch of despair and spirited defeat when none of that's coming from the Lord. I want to walk by faith, and that's the psalmist's heart. No matter who's attacking our country, I want to walk by faith, and I want God to help me rethink and redefine what a real victory is. We have a notion of victory in our country that's not always biblical. Let me just ask you, is the cross, Jesus dying, crucified. Is that a victory? Well, I heard some absolutely's. I think there was kind of a pause. Reflect on that. Well, isn't it interesting that that would be the darkest moment in history, forsaken by the Father, the sinless Savior becomes sin. He lays down his life. He's murdered. He's got nails through his body. And you think about Jesus and what he went through. And you're like, you're going to call that a victory? How could that be a victory? See, because we compartmentalize victory into me, comfortable, safe. But actually, through his death and then resurrection, that's why we're going to heaven. That's why we have a relationship with God. No one loves you like Jesus. You'll never be loved like that. In a demonstration, in a promise, in a victory over death, there's no greater victory. And it happened in the moments of most intense pain. Well, that's probably a hint that God is going to do his greatest work often in our darkest moments. And when the situation's most difficult, watch for God to show up. And don't give in to despair, but trust him for the victories. Pay attention to the victories that he wants to bring as we trust him together. Uh, Don't just go for the circumstances. Go for Christ. Don't just get overwhelmed by the situation. Go with the spirit. Not just fear and all those feelings. Faith the victory God has for you. I'm gonna ask the elders to come forward right now and the worship team also is gonna lead us in the song of praise. And could everyone please stand up right now because this is a chance for you to participate and come forward for prayer. If you're here today and you wanna trust Jesus, you're like, I don't wanna go to hell. 
I don't want to be separated from God. I need a savior. I want a relationship with God. You can come forward and say, I'm in today, relationship with God. If you have physical ailments and seeing a doctor can be very beneficial, but you know you need God's touch, this is a time to come forward. You need some restoration in relationships, marriage, repentance today. You just say, I want to get right with God. You come forward. This time right here, when you come forward, you just let the elder know. Let the person know, this is what I want prayer for. This is why I'm coming forward, and God will move. God's here. You just slip down. The elders are across the front. Wherever you're at, you just slip down that aisle. Can we encourage everybody who's going to come forward right now? Can we just encourage everybody? Yeah. Let's pray. God, as we seek you, we acknowledge your presence here. Jesus, your great love for us, and God, your faithfulness. God, we thank you that this is a place where we can be honest raw, just laid bare. We don't have to put up fronts and play games. God, you already see us and know us. And this is a time where we wanna be real with you. God, we thank you how you move in prayer. God, you exalt those who humble themselves. God, there's almost nothing more humbling than saying, I need you and I need prayer today. So God, we humble ourselves before you to seek you, to receive from you. Move in power that you get the glory during this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please start to make your way forward.